emphasize different cultures, different backgrounds, different theological beliefs, especially even talking to other believers from different culture, cultures and different backgrounds. And uh, what Braden and Hannah were talking about is just them going over there and discovering what the culture is, then how do they bring the faith story into that culture? Um, and one of the reasons why I like to emphasize that is I, I feel like if all we do is talk to people who believe like us, look like us, walk like us, all that kind of stuff, we kind of get into this echo chamber where everything we hear is, is like it's coming out of our own mouth. We, it just Everything is repeated in the same. And oftentimes when we step outside of our own culture and talk to people of faith, Christians, who come from a different culture, it, it's like we, we look at faith through this lens and then we talk to somebody from a different culture and all of a sudden it's like we're looking at it from this lens and all of a sudden it's like, oh... We get a broader, bigger picture of the faith story. That was one of uh, the many takeaways for, for me as we spent that time in Israel. And uh, we had mentioned that we had met an Orthodox, Orthodox Jew named Moshe. Here's Moshe right there. Uh, he and his brother own this store. And so there's all kinds of Old Testament memorabilia and all that kind of stuff uh, from there. And Moshe, we had a conversation with him, and one of the things I had asked him is, what, what would you want us to share with Christians here in the United States? And I mentioned this last week, but I just wanted to touch on it again. And he said, we need to teach the younger generation that they need to love God. Now, his point is, is that what we're really good is that we're really good at telling everybody, God loves you. God loves you. And, and that's an important message we need to teach. But he said, what we've, forgetting, what we've forgotten to do is to teach our young people and ourselves to love God. In other words, it's teaching what the Jewish heritage calls the Shema. The Shema is quoting, actually, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. It's kind of the foundation of the Jewish faith. And Shema is a Hebrew word which stands for listen or pay attention or understand. And here's what the Shema says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That hear, right there, that first word, that's actually Shema. So they get the description of it, this is the Shema, from right here at this verse. And right out of the gate, what they want you to do is to go, listen, understand this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, there, there are many gods out there, many lower G gods. But sometimes we forget that God is God. He is the 
God. He is the one God. And the Shema continues in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Heart there, the Hebrew word there, and from the Jewish culture, heart was about a person's thoughts and emotions and understanding and knowledge of right and wrong. What, what we would sometimes associate with the mind is what in the Jewish culture back then, back when this was written, and even in the first century, it was the heart was that place of emotion, that place of knowledge of right and wrong, that place of understanding. So love the Lord your God with all your thoughts, with all your understanding, with all your emotion. Love God. Soul is what deals with, for the Hebrew culture, appetites or our desires and our passions. And this is where our will is. And the literal meaning is neck or throat uh, in this, uh, the Hebrew word. But the idea here is to love the Lord your God with all your appetites, all your desires, everything you're passionate about, Love God. Strength is all about force and might and about abundance. Love the Lord your God with all your abundance. With your strength, it's what, what, you, what you step into this world. These are my gifts and my talents and my abilities. This is my strength. I'm pretty confident in myself in this, that love God with all of that. So, hmm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with every part of your being. So my question for you today, am I loving God? That's a, that's a question just for, for you, between you and God. It's, it's not a question that I can answer for you. I, I can answer for me. And I can point out a couple of areas in my life that I'm really not loving God with. Or am I holding back on some areas of my life? I mean, is there some stuff that I just want to hang on to? There's a story in the Bible of a young man who held back from Jesus. It's a familiar story, and we find it in Mark chapter 10. And the story starts out at this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Notice the focus of the young man. He's wanting to know how to inherit eternal life. Jesus responds, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Notice. What is the bar that Jesus sets when it comes to good? I mean, you and I know that Jesus is good, 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 right? Because we know. We're looking back. We know. For this young man, Jesus was just another man. He didn't know. And so it would have been a little weird for Jesus to go, I'm good. No, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to make sure this young man knew um, what is good. God alone is good. Then Jesus continues, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Oh, this guy is so good. Right? A little truth here, a little confession. This is me when I was young. I thought I was pretty good. I grew in a Christian home. On the surface, I made my mom and dad proud, and I emphasize on the surface. The definition of good for this man is different than the definition of good for Jesus. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One of my favorite few words in the Bible. Jesus is about to give this young man the what for. And Mark wants you and I to know as Jesus steps into this young man's world and flips it upside down, he wants us to know that Jesus loved him. We, we know already that Jesus loves us. We, we do, but we sometimes forget that when Jesus flips our world upside down, it's because he loves us. Because we think love comes when I get to do what I want, I get whatever I want, my life is easy. Hmm. One thing you lack, Jesus said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Wow, that's, that's hard. This man lacked one thing. And it's not about the money and the possessions. Don't get lost in it. The question we... What is it that this young man lacks? Why is Jesus telling him to go sell everything? It's not again. It's not about the money. Not about the possessions. There's something he lacks. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around at his disciples and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
Again, if you remember from last week when Terry and I talked about our time in Israel, we talked about there's four ways to read Scripture for the Jewish people. First, there's, there's the simple story. Okay, we just heard the simple story. This simple story is about a man wanting to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, go sell everything and follow me. That's the simple story. Then there's a hint within the story about the meaning. The meaning is not found in the man giving every way. So there's another hint there. We've got to look for that hint. What is the hint to help us discover the meaning? And then there's the teaching. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God here. The, the main thing is not about eternal life it, it is more than about what is good and what is love. It, it, it is about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to love God. And if you remember, there's a fourth thing is there's the, the secret place, or the secret thing, and that's where the Holy Spirit reveals. And that's about you. So, we're, we're going to look at the simple story. We're going to give some hints at the meaning. I'm going to teach. But then the Holy Spirit's going to come to you. And the Holy Spirit's going to go, hey, 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 hey. Jeff, here's what I have for you. Dan, here's, here's, here's what I have for you. Jan, here's, here's what I have for you. That's where the Holy Spirit rolls in. And that's, that's way beyond my pay grade. Just want to tell you, I'm here to tell the story and to teach, but the Holy Spirit's going to come on in, and He's going to teach you. You see, we need to understand that um, this young man knew the Shema. He knew that God was one, and he knew that he was supposed to love God with all his heart, all his soul, and all his strength. But his focus was on getting eternal life, which isn't bad, but he's missing it. Eternal life, yes, that's the end, but there's something for you and me today, right here, right now. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach this young man. You, your God that you are loving, young man, is money and possessions. You need to give that up because God is one. And you are to love. He, he is the one good, good being. And we are to love him with every part of our being There's another story in the Bible. This is about a different man. This man um, has an interaction with Jesus too. And again, it's a familiar story. But let's listen to the simple story and pick up the hints. And what is, what is, what is Luke trying to teach us in Luke 19? What is Jesus trying to teach us? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, another wealthy man. 
But this wealthy man didn't follow the commands. He doesn't come in and say, hey, whoa, I, I got all the commands. I followed him. He, he doesn't do that. Uh-uh. He just wants to see Jesus. So he ran ahead. He wanted to see Jesus. But he was short. He could not see over the crowd. Okay, so what he, he, he's just heard about this Jesus doing miracles. He wants to go see him. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. So Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Irony for me here is if Jesus would have gone to the home of the rich young ruler, everybody would have gone, yeah, that's right. Jesus is hanging out with the good people. But Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house He's a tax collector and he's taking advantage of people. He's embezzled from some people. Ooh, so he's the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly into his home. He lets Jesus inside his place. What hints are we picking up from this story? Jesus let Zacchaeus let Jesus in. After Jesus is there, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Notice he didn't give all his wealth away. It doesn't say he left everything to follow Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't do that. He didn't give everything away and follow Jesus, and Jesus didn't ask him. So we got to pay attention. What, what, what's the hint here in the story? Zacchaeus himself, though, after having an encounter with the Lord, stands up and says, I'm going to give half of my possessions away, and if there's anybody I cheated, I'm going to give four times back. I think Zacchaeus began to understand what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then notice what Jesus says to him. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this too is the son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus had an encounter with the living God. Ironically, so did the rich young ruler. So what's what's the difference in these stories? That's something for you to think about this week. Why does one... Jesus has to sell everything, follow me, and he doesn't. Why does the other one stand up and just, I'm giving half my stuff away, and if I've been, you know, hurt anybody or taken from me, I'm, I'm giving four times back. What, what's the difference? What's the response? They both had an encounter with Jesus. 
I, I don't know if I have an exact answer for you today. I'm just being honest with you. I've been wrestling with this for the last couple of days. But each one of us has had an encounter with Jesus. So the question is, am I loving God? Because if I am loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength, you will see it in my day-to-day response to life. I've been reading a book called Chasing the Dragon. It's by a woman named Jackie Pullinger. Jackie is a missionary in Hong Kong. She's been there for 30 years. She's amazing. She worked in what is called the walled city, and it's walled because the police don't go in there. It's run by the gangs. It's where drugs and prostitution happen. And and Jackie went over to Hong Kong and just entered the walled city 30 years ago and really hasn't left and has had an amazing ministry there. In her book, she tells the story of her journey of coming to Hong Kong and entering the walled city and how it took three or four years of her just loving these people, only even though they treated her like, you know, treated her bad, she just loved them before there was a breakthrough she would see heroin, heroin addicts miraculously recover with no withdrawals and no desire to go back. She writes about Winson, a young gang member who was addicted to heroin. And he, this guy would come to her club. She had this club, and that's where they would, she would teach them. They would sing songs about Jesus, and they would play games, and it's, it's almost like a youth group only, you know, in the ghetto or in, in a really bad place. But that's what she would do all the time. This guy would come and just stand outside. He would never enter. For months he would come. And I'm just going to read a part of this young man's story. Jackie writes, I told Winsome this many times. He always stood outside the club door, lounging in proprietary fashion. He would never condescend to come in, never interfere. He watched and listened to the boy's spirited renderings of the current in him. The one night late in the evening when the club was almost empty, I said, now how about you coming inside and praising God? Okay, he said without hesitation. I was stunned, for by this time I knew who Winson really was. His rank in the 14K triad was number 426, which meant that he had the special rank of a fight fixer. His job was to fix the fights and choose the weapons, the location, and the strategy. He was a very tough triad indeed. And yet here he was, standing outside my club, Praising God at the top of his voice. He was belting out solo, give me oil in my lamp, as loudly as he could. And as he had no idea how to sing, it was an amazing noise, (laughs) a wonderful burst of tuneless sound. Then he began to pray in Chinese, 
Mercifully, he had never heard anyone praying before, so it came out quite spontaneously. I have never since listened to such a joyous prayer. I kept thinking, where did he get that from? Although, of course, I knew. It was an extraordinary session. After about a half an hour, he stopped. The miracle had taken place. He and I knew that he was completely cured of his drug addiction. He had come through withdrawal as he prayed. When his voice died away, I told him, Praise the Lord, that is wonderful. Now, what you have to do next is to lead your gang to make the same discovery for themselves. You can't follow your big brother, uh, Goko, anymore. He was the head of the gang. No man can have two big brothers. You have to follow Jesus or Goko. You cannot follow both. So Winston went back to his gang leader, Goko, to tell him and the other gang leaders that he now believed in Jesus. Winston discovered what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Winston was like Zacchaeus in that he was far away from God and he saw that he, he was not good enough. And so when Jesus entered his world, he surrendered completely to Jesus. Unlike what I would think, the rich young ruler came in thinking, I'm really good. I just want to make sure I get to heaven. So the question again for us today, is am I loving God with all my heart, soul, strength? And that's my question for you as we close today. that's, That's a question that you need to have with God himself. You, you can do that right now, right here, and begin to have that question. You can do it some other time. That, that's fine. But the, the question is, God, is there some area of my life that I'm not loving you with? Is there some area that I'm holding on to where I think I'm good enough But again, that question is between you and your Heavenly Father. Over the course of the next few weeks, my desire is to challenge you and me to see that God is the one God. And that this son he sent Jesus, yes, Jesus is your friend, he's my friend, and that, that's all good, but also Jesus is king. You and I in this culture here in the West we don't fully grasp what it means to have a king 
Because if we don't like our leaders, we vote them out, right? Jesus is king. He is far above every rule and every authority. And I think sometimes we forget that. Hear, O crossroads, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Stand as we pray. Father, I pray for each person in this room that your Holy Spirit would grab, you go deep. As Hebrews 4 tells us, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, cuts through um, joint and marrow, cuts, cuts deep, goes into those places and separates out our unbelief. And so I pray that you would, your Spirit would go in and separate out the unbelief. Reveal that to us. And I pray that we would take a posture of surrender before our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold out your hand as I pronounce the benediction over you today. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd, may this God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.